Today, this morning, we have the distinction of hosting someone that a few months ago I could not have even picked out of a lineup, but now apparently he is well on his way to qualifying for that August 23rd presidential debate. I am very pleased to welcome Republican candidate for president, businessman Perry Johnson, also the author of the book, Two Cents to Save America. Uh, Mr. Johnson, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Well, thank you for having me. So give folks a little bit of an idea of your background. I know you did very, very well in the auto industry in the early 1980s. You were considered sort of a, a revolutionary in the uh, the auto business, and you pioneered a lot of techniques that are still used uh, to this day. What um, What have you done exactly in the business world? Well, I was a guy that basically started with nothing, but like many Americans, saw an opportunity and took advantage of it because he had an idea. Now, I went to undergraduate school at the University of Illinois, and my background is mathematics. I, in grad school, it was a little tougher, although I worked during this, I worked in the steel mill to get through undergrad school. Graduate school, I was getting eviction notices on pretty much a regular basis, but I finally got a job in the auto industry at Borg Warner, and this was in the early 80s when the Japanese had come in with tremendous quality, and they had a manufacturing technique that eclipsed ours in terms of delivering quality and efficiency. Back then in the auto industry, they used to have techniques where people would inspect the product at the end of the line, and when it wasn't any good, they would either rework it or throw it out. Well, I thought I knew how to solve the problem, and that's when I left Borg Warner and started my first company. And I introduced statistical methods in the auto industry. So I would actually teach the people on the line statistical process control and had them actually make the control charts where they monitored variation. And I introduced beta modes effects analysis. I worked out different techniques for saturating the design and doing different experiments hmm. so that we could develop very efficient techniques. Well, in about four or five years, we had the best quality in the world. And then I said, why not quality as a way of life? And I wrote a book on ISO 9000, a quality standard. And that took off like hotcakes. Terrific. And now Perry Johnson Registrars and Perry Johnson Laboratory Accreditation do business in 61 countries around the world. I own over 80 companies and we have been operating for over 30 years, and we operate in 61 countries. Wow. But I'm... my whole thing is very simple. We are going to bring quality and efficiency to companies, and that's what I've been doing all my life. Uh, and so... now I want to bring it to the federal government. All right. Let, let's talk about your presidential campaign. The I don't think I'm going out on a limb here in saying that I think the vast majority of our listeners and the vast majority of Republicans still don't know who you are. Is it unrealistic to think that you can be the Republican nominee when, at this point in the race, most Republicans don't even know who you are? Well, that's been that way for many people that have gotten elected. In fact, in fairness, most people. When I take a look at what's happened in history we have to realize that most people did not know who Jimmy Carter was. They did not know who Obama, who Obama was. They did not know 
In fact, most governors, Clinton, didn't know that who Clinton was. He may have been governor of Arkansas, but we had never heard of him. And what happens in America is very interesting. The race actually starts at the debate. When you have the debate, you have an opportunity to see what the people are really like. Running for president is not like running for governor. You can run for governor by running a bunch of commercials. The people hardly ever meet the candidate. They barely know what the candidate really is all about. But president, it's entirely different. You actually have to be able to get on the stage and you have to be able to think and you have to be able to respond. And the people have to say, wow, that's a guy whom I really think makes sense. So in terms of the the contest, uh, so much of your platform is laid out in your book, uh, Two Cents to Save America. The forward is written by uh, influential conservative economist uh, Dr. Art Laffer, the man who pioneered the Laffer curve. Obviously, it's a pretty detailed book and you cover a wide variety of policy prescriptions. But what exactly is the two cent solution? Well, the concept there is quite simple. You know, right now in our government, they get a budget every year. And beginning in April, they make sure they spend every penny in that budget. In fact, they go out of their way to make certain that they're broke at the end of September, which is the end of their year. And it is the nuttiest way to run an operation that I ever heard of. I say we do just the opposite. Instead of incentivizing everyone to make sure that they're broke, at the end of September, we do just the opposite. We say that we're going to cut all discretionary spending by 2%, two cents out of every dollar. And we're gonna incentivize people to accomplish just that. We're gonna essentially try to start running it the way that we would run a business, where we're not just throwing the money away to make sure we get rid of it, but instead we incentivize people to actually be discretionary when they start spending money. So they have to cut their budget by 2%. Should they achieve that, the managers get a bonus. All right. So the idea being the use the power of the purse to reduce uh, discretionary spending by a couple of cents, which would not exactly upend the way the federal government uh, spends its money, uh, but it would make, in the long run, a, a significant savings for the taxpayer. Enormous. Because right now, every single year they spend every penny, and then they get more money the next year, and right. that's how they get their power. Right. No, no, no. And right now we're $33 trillion. I was In my book I said 32 but as you know, we are now right around $33 trillion in debt, which is costing every single family in America $610 a month just in interest on our debt. Wow. No, I, I talk about the debt issue all the time, and that's one of the things that I uh, find so attractive about your candidacy is that I don't hear any other presidential candidate in either party uh, talking about it. Do you view your candidacy as a way of raising awareness for the uh, for the two cents solution the way that, uh, say, Steve Forbes did with the flat tax or Herman Cain did with nine nine nine? So even if you don't end up getting elected, maybe at least the idea will catch fire. Well, I certainly want people to be aware of it. Remember, in 92, Perot was campaigning on the fact that we had a debt crisis or we were going to approach a debt crisis. Well, by golly, 
we certainly have it now. We're literally 130% of gross domestic product. And we're at a point now where we're sending $74 million a day to China in interest payments. Imagine we have to borrow money from China in order for us to survive. This is nuts. It is. I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely crazy. Is there, let's say you were to get elected, is there the political will to cut discretionary spending at all in Congress? I mean, it seems like in both parties, Congress can't seem to spend money fast enough. They want uh, goodies for their district. They want pork and they want to spend money on what no doubt they consider to be very important priorities. It seems it seems like it might be going against their very nature to ask them to cut discretionary spending at all. How do you get them? How do you get a recalcitrant recalcitrant Congress to cut discretionary spending? Actually, you hit the nail right on the head. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. That's an issue that really involves both parties because both the Democrats and the Republicans have been spending too much money. It starts with the whole idea that you have to get your theme across. One of the biggest problems that President Trump had when he ran in office was that he had some ideas. Many were very good. In his cabinet, for example, although he had some brilliant people on his cabinet, he would not get people aboard that supported his position. You can't have that. I don't care how smart anybody is. If you don't have somebody that aligns with your philosophy, they can't be part of your cabinet. I love Art Laffer. Art and I have become friends over the years, and uh, we spent time over there at Reagan Ranch. He helped wrote the foreword of my book. And he's a fellow that agrees with me. He and I are on the same wavelength. And you have to have people like that on the cabinet. When you're endorsing someone, let's endorse someone that feels the same way I do, that is concerned about the reckless spending. And those are the kind of people that you have to have behind you so that you can win support. It's just the same thing in my companies. You know, the average tenure of my senior management is about 17 years. I don't have turnover of my management because I have people that feel the same way I do. We think that the greatest product in the world is not our natural resources in the ground. It's the people. Mm. And so we treat the people the way they should be treated. And that way you do not have the turnover in your top management. Turnover of management is a killer. It is the worst thing that can happen to any company. Good management, good company. Bad management, you have a bad company. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Perry Johnson. He's a Republican candidate for president. If you're interested in learning more from him, you can check out his website, perryjohnson.com. That's P-E-R-R-Y, johnson.com. What do we do about non-discretionary spending? Social Security, Medicare, it seems like even if uh, discretionary spending is brought to zero, at the rate that the population is aging, we're still going to have a great many bills to pay with non-discretionary spending. What's the Perry Johnson uh, plan for dealing with that? Well, one of the biggest reasons that we have to start talking about things like, let's say, Social Security relates to the fact that we have a very low workforce participation. We're at 62.4%, which is about, it's one of the lowest in history. 
You have to go back to the 70s, right during the Vietnam War, to get the levels where we're at today. And we have to have more and more people working in the workforce. You have to incentivize people to work instead of not work. You know, in the state of Michigan, we ended up paying people a total of $1,260 a week to not work. So if somebody was making 30000 a year, they say 600 a week, why would they work right. when if they didn't work, they would literally be able to make more than double that? Well, that is not the way to encourage people to work. And then on top of that, we have more illegal immigration in the United States than legal. And we have an acute shortage right now of nurses. We, we could use between one and two million nurses. We have an acute shortage of skilled tradesmen. Let's start telling people that there are ways in which to get ahead other than just getting a degree. A degree in philosophy is not going to be anywhere near as effective in getting a great job and a great future as going and becoming an electrician. An electrician is guaranteed virtually to make over 100000 a year. In three or four years, they could be having their own subcontracting right. firm and make 250000 a year. The issue of military spending is something that a lot of people have brought up uh, on the left and on the right. And I think rightly so when you look at what the military budget is overall and as a percentage of GDP. What would a Johnson administration do on the issue of military spending? Well, I want to point that issue out right now. For the first time in history, we're spending more on interest than we are in our military. We had to spend spend $900 billion in interest payments on our debt. Our military, however, we spent roughly around $800 billion. But they did an audit, for example. The Pentagon did an audit. We had a recent audit of the Pentagon and military expenditures. Very interesting audit. In a budget of $775 billion, they could not account for $220 billion. They have no idea where it went. Now, I actually believe that the single most important issue, in fact, for the government, the single most important reason to have taxes is to fund the military. In fact, that's the only reason the tax bill was ever passed in the early 1900s. Right. But right now, we still have to recognize that we have to spend that money in an efficient way. Building a lot of tanks that we're never going to use is not the answer. But we have to recognize that it is more important than ever that we stay on top of technology. And with AI entering the picture, we have to realize that the world is moving at a faster clip. And it is very important that our military stay on top of the technology. So we must fund it, and we must fund it in the appropriate ways. But we also must recognize that it has to be efficient. So we still have to recognize that you need quality and efficiency in our defense spending. In fact, it probably is of paramount importance because we need that for the security of this country. And I think we need to watch where we're spending, how we're spending, and pay attention to the fact that the money must be spent in a reasonable way, with reasonable efficiency, focusing on things that we desperately need. How about the issue of the border? What would Perry Johnson do differently from a Joe Biden or a Donald Trump on the issue of the border? Well, I write in my book, let let us finish the wall. 
That is something that should have been done right away. We should have realized that finishing that wall is probably one of the least expensive ways in which we can contain this problem. Right now, illegal immigration is costing us right around $150.7 billion a year. And that's factoring in the $30 billion that we're getting in taxes from the illegals that actually are working and paying some money. And right now, it's a very expensive proposition. More importantly, we not only have those economic issues, we have the social issues, because as a result of the rampant number of people that are coming over the border, the huge quantity of people coming over in a totally uncontrolled fashion, we have increased the overall number of drugs entering this country. We have fentanyl at an incredible rate right now, killing our kids. We realize that you not only have that, but you have the addiction of heroin, cocaine, and all these other fat drugs that can really contaminate our children. And I'm spending a lot of time in Iowa and New Hampshire right now, and that's one of the major issues in those states as well. So let us start containing it. It why start with the presidency? Clearly, you've done very well. You're an intelligent guy, and uh, you have a lot to offer in the political sphere. A lot of people may say this is sort of uh, a Herculean effort, a, a sort of your Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill. Why not, say, run for something like U.S. Senate or Congress and have a platform for potentially uh, uh, implementing some of these ideas and getting elected and then maybe down the line? a look at the presidency? Well, I'm at a point in my life where I think uh, I can do the most good being president of the United States. I think it's time to have a CEO of a country. Let's face it, right now, you know, I have thousands of people that uh, are involved in my company all over the world. And I have over 80 companies. I, I think that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something that involves my really impacting this country. And if I'm a senator, you're one person out of 100. If you're a congressman, you're one out of what, 435. The way that I can really influence the country is by being a CEO of a country. And I think it's about time that we have a CEO of a country. I don't like to spend a lot of time looking at polls, but that makes me the minority. And uh, you've seen the polls, I'm sure, on the Republican side of the ledger. Donald Trump is leading heavily. And if history is any guide, no no Republican or Democrat that's been leading by 20 points or more in the primaries at this stage has ever lost the nomination. Trump, depending on the poll you look at, is leading by almost 40 points. Is it possible to catch Donald Trump when he's got such a wide lead at this point? Well, it's really hard to say on that. I think there's only been one person leading at this point who was not an incumbent that ever actually won the nomination on the Republican side, and that was Bush. Can you think of another president leading at this point, another candidate leading at this point who was not an incumbent, whoever won? I mean, certainly the person leading when Trump was running. Trump was at this point was at one percent, right? Well, no, and, I, I mean, I don't I don't believe so. I think at this point in uh, August of uh, 2015, he, he had begun to lead in the polls. But your, your points well, well, well taken. I, I get it that uh, people can come from behind. So you think it is possible to catch that uh, Trump lead? 
Oh, I certainly do. We have to see what really happens uh, three or four months down the road. He's had so many indictments. With every indictment, I think he blows up in the polls. It's because he gets all that media, and I don't blame people feeling sorry for him. Let's face it, he has really been inundated with all sorts of problems from the time he got into office. We had Russian collusion. There was no Russian collusion, and they were picking on him. On the 21st of uh, March, I announced that President Biden should really pardon him so that we can get on with the real message. And I was the first candidate to do something like that. As much as I'm running against him, I still think it's not fair to use our legal system as a weaponizing tool. And needless to say, uh, President Perry Johnson would be pardoning Donald Trump as well. Right now, I don't see how there's any why Biden wouldn't be pardoning him. Let's see what happens down the road. But right now, with the stuff that I see, I, I certainly think making this big deal about classified documents when he could have declassified them at any time seems to be really going overboard. Yeah, I, that, I've, to me, is yeah, it's that, just a bit much. That, that's probably a, a longer conversation for another day. What would you say, actually, um, we'll, we'll have to have you back because I have a number of other questions for you, but unfortunately we're out of time. Perry Johnson, if people want to learn more about you, they could check out the book, Two Cents to Save America, or go to your website, perryjohnson.com. Thanks for the time this morning, sir. Thank you. And you can also see my reality series. PerryJohnson.com slash backstage. Excellent. Outstanding. All right, Perry Johnson. Check him out online, PerryJohnson.com. 